also come to this hallowed spot yeah. to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. I'd like to welcome you up to the urgency of now. This is a podcast about call to action, specifically around things like police reform, systemic racism. You know, this conversation I really wanted to have in the context of what's going on today, right? We have uh, George Floyd, guy kneels on his neck, kills him. No less than two weeks later, two police officers in Atlanta shoot a guy in the back <laughs> while he's running away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the guy was resisting. Yeah, the guy had a taser, which is not a lethal weapon, but they shot the guy in the back. In the context of Black Lives Matter, why does it not seem like it, the police feel the same way you do? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm really hoping that I get the opportunity to complete the ride-along mm-hmm. with the city police. That, okay, you're working on doing a ride-along with the cops? I'm supposed to do it this week. Gotcha. Um, Obviously, they're busy. Obviously, I'm busy. Um, but that's something that I would really like to ask them directly and get their take on. My my feeling of it is they're so conditioned by everything that's around them that there's some kind of a switch that they flip in their head when they get into that patrol car that changes the humanality that they might have when they're not on the job. That's the only thing that I could think of, Darren, because there isn't any logical reason for it. I mean, if I'm looking at someone committing a crime, am I looking at it as, hey, what is that guy doing over there? Or am I looking at it as, hey, what is that black man doing over there? That's the difference. You know, why do we look at it in that context? And, you know, I would really love to hear from from the law enforcement folks because they are a diverse group. Uh, there's there's a lot of officers that represent all kinds of cultures and, and uh, backgrounds and all that. We'd like to hear from them too, I'm sure. But for me to answer your question more directly, <clears throat> I think it's a conditioning thing. I think that they don't get the psychological help that they need. I don't think that they get the mental health support that they need. Um, the jobs that they do are dangerous. They're out there every day, not knowing what's going to happen today. Even when I get in the patrol car. Um, that's mentally unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that causes them to generalize. It causes them to stereotype and it causes their actions to be uh, a lot less tempered uh, than they should be. If you were talking to a person as individuals on the street, you probably wouldn't act the way that you act when you're in uniform. And that's what we got to fix. So you're going to ride along. You see that as a solution? You see that as a learning experience? What's, what's your goal behind doing the ride along? Well, I'm hoping to gain some information that I can bring back to our group here and possibly use for um, future greater good, you know, depending on what you decide, being that this is your series and all. Um, but I need to understand myself the answers to those questions. Uh, you know, we talk about areas of town that are over-policed. We talk about areas of town that are under-policed. Um, you know, we talk about alternative ways to govern our society. Uh, frankly, I, I don't feel like uh, the police as a whole should be blamed for what has happened because we need them. 
Um, but I do feel like that they should be blamed for allowing those themes and those narratives to exist year after year, day after day, month after month, without any help for these officers who are clearly on the edge. Yep. And let's explore that, because, you know, I, you, you talked about growing up in San Diego, which, which I always joke that uh, I always told people I grew up in the deep segregated south in a city called San Diego. That's a joke, because uh, you just think about how National City and Skyline and all those different areas are kind of broken out. You know, there wasn't a ton of diversity in Skyline. I mean, you you just didn't see many people other than black people in Skyline San Diego. And one of the things they did, the San Diego Police Department did, uh, was put a substation literally about 300 feet from my house, mm -hmm. like literally right up the street from my house. Uh, and when that happened, the entire dynamic changed. I mean, the entire dynamic when you talk about over-policing, right? And it was immediately the police became the biggest gang in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally, like we were more afraid of them than we were the Bloods and the Crips, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So what, what's your thought on that dichotomy that you and I lived through? Because we're about the same age. We, you know, we grew up around the same time frame, you know, late 70s, early 80s in, in San Diego. Uh, but my experience with the police was always a bad experience, right? So what's your, what's your thought on that? Well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, the experiences I've had with uh, the police growing up, um, sometimes because of the way I looked, uh, being a little bit of a rebel, you know, having long hair, the clothes that we wore, you know, all those kind of things. Um, you know, riding my skateboard down the handrails of the police station probably wasn't going to go over very well in any environment or any time. Uh, but the things that we were doing were because we didn't know what else to do. We we knew that we wanted to rebel against everything that you just described because we knew that it was wrong. Right. But we didn't know what to do. So all we did was generally rebel. Right. <clears throat> the music we listened to, you know, the gang and the government is no different. And that was kind of the, you know, the the mantra of our existence during that time because of what you just described. So I felt it, I saw it, I understand it. But we just didn't know what to do about it. You know, we didn't know how to act. All we knew is that's wrong. Right. Um, but now as, as older adults, we have some perspective. So now what do we do now as adults? Well, we do what we're doing right now. We talk about it. Uh, we get input from people. We help people that may not understand or may not have seen. You know, this police station that was 300 yards from your house was probably about, what, four or five miles from mine? Mm -hmm. yep. yep. So those four or five miles were a big difference though. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think, uh, our duty moving forward as a group now, uh, being grownups, being educated people is to say, wait a minute, we already know what happens when you do this. So why do we keep doing it? All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America yeah. of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug yeah. of gradualism.